What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Friday, it's so time to go over every single game, talk about the wide receivers I'd be starting and sitting this week. I should go over every player you have questions about, but if for some reason I don't hit on your player, you can always find my exact rankings and projections for every scoring format on my website, thefencefootballadvice.com. I rank first in industry-wide accuracy after week one, so let's see if we can make that back-to-back -back top finishes in week two. First game go over, Panthers at Giants. This one has a 43.5 point total. Giants two point home favorites. For the Panthers, I know DJ Moore had a tough week one, but he's the only Panthers wide receiver I would trust this week, and I would play him as a wide receiver too. Still at a 24% target share in week one, and we're not expecting Robbie Anderson to out target him every week or for the Panthers to run so few plays because they didn't run very many plays last week. That was part of the problem with Christian McCaffrey as well. Uh, he's an extremely talented wide receiver, talking about DJ Moore here, and I just think you should really be starting him, not really starting any other Panthers wide out. For the Giants, I personally would not play any of their wide receivers. I love Wandale long term, but there's no need to play him this week. I do think he's going to be back this week. There's no need to play him, and the other wide receivers just don't have a defined enough role yet. I would imagine to close the season, we have Wandale, Shepard, and Tony as their top three wide receivers. But until Tony is out of the doghouse, um, and until this offense really proves that it can support multiple pass catchers, I would just leave everyone on the bench. I really just don't think you have to start any of them. Patriots at Steelers up next. This one has a very low 40-point total. I think there's two games this week with a 40-point total, none under 40. So this is like the worst game of the week for game environment. Uh, and the Patriots are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. For the Patriots, Myers is your top option if you really want to start a Patriots wide receiver, but the hope is that you don't need to play any of them. The offense did not look good in week one. Playing in Pittsburgh is never an ideal situation. Myers led the team with a 20% target share. He could rack up maybe six, seven receptions, maybe 60, 70 yards, but he's probably not going to score Um it's just, it's not a great game environment. I'll say the Steelers are notorious for giving up production from the slot, so that's another positive for him. But again, I think it's unlikely you have to play Myers this week. There's not that many wide receiver injuries. No one's on by. I, I think it's unlikely you have to play any of them. He's my wide receiver 41. Again, probably would just sit all of them. For the Steelers, this is a tough spot. Uh, New England isn't some like you know powerhouse defense where you have to avoid everyone they're playing, but they're an annoying defense to play against. Uh, they're an annoying team to play against as well. Again, it's going to be a low-volume game, a low-scoring game. It's not a good game environment for anyone. But Deontay Johnson had a 30.5% target share in Week 1. He doesn't project well. Again, given the game environment, even giving him a massive target share, he does not project well. But I think you have to at least play him in the flex. I'd be pretty surprised if you were benching him this week. There will be weeks where um, you know Pickens is a thing. He's going to be really good. But I would say in the short term, we kind of saw in Week 1, Rookies just need a little bit of time. I'd say over the second half of the season, there's a realistic chance we can be starting Pickens right now. You have to leave Pickens on the bench, but please do not drop him. I saw someone drop him in one of my leagues. Keep Pickens as a stash. Um, I realistically think you could actually use like Claypool in the flex. He might have. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen every week. He had a few carries last week. Like Maybe that happens. Maybe that doesn't. But like he's going to be used sometimes on end arounds. 
Uh, and they like giving the ball close to like the goal line. So he's going to have high touchdown upside the season as well. And he's now the full-time slot wide receiver, which is a matchup that like, he, like he's going to have a mismatch in pretty much every single game. Like it's very difficult to match up with Chase Claypool in the slot. That's going to be tough for teams to do. So he's not some monster start. He's not going to go out there and post like 10 for 100 and a few touchdowns. But if you have to, maybe in a deeper format, I think there are worse flex plays than Claypool this week. I obviously like Deontay more. Uh, if you're in a pinch, uh, Claypool is my wide receiver 35 as of recording this. So not the end of the world if you had to play him. Bucks at Saints is up next. This game has a 44-point total. Bucks two and a half point road favorites for the Bucks. Gonwin is going to miss this week, leaving three wide receiver sets up to Evans, Julio, and Gage with Perriman mixing in for some deep shots here and there. Evans is always a must start in my eyes, and you're not really touching Perriman unless you're in like a 32-team league. So the only choice here is Julio and Gage. Julio was clearly more involved in Gage in week one, and Brady looks like he really wants to get targets to Julio, so he would be the preferred option between the two of them. It's not like Julio, um, basically he's not the Julio of old. Like you can't look at last week's game and be like, oh, that's clearly, you know, Falcons Julio. Like he's going to go out there and have, you know, 1,300 yards this season. But he's clearly still talented. He's clearly still going to have a good target share. He had an 18% target share in week one. Um, that was, of course, with Godwin playing a little bit and it being a blowout in the second half. So, you could see without Godwin, his true target share being close to like 20%, which on this offense, so pass heavy, so efficient, is pretty good. And he's grading out as a wide receiver 25 for me right now. So you probably don't have to play him at wide receiver too, because I mean, you probably drafted him as like your fifth or sixth wide receiver, but I'd feel solid about him in the flex spot this week. I think he's going to have a good target share, a good roll downfield, and it's a, you know obviously a very good offense. As for Gage, probably only using him if you're desperate. Uh, the A dot, so even if the target share is close to Julio, the A dot will be lower, and I think the target share will be lower as well. And so against you know the Saints in New Orleans being the third option in the offense, I think there's a lot more risk, not nearly as much upside, so I'd leave him on benches if you had him. For the Saints, Michael Thomas had a 24% target share, a heavy red zone involvement in Week 1, and that was playing a limited number of snaps. It kind of capped uh, his snap count. I'm not saying he's back. You know, he's not going to post the numbers that he used to with Drew Brees. But as I said last week, this offense is going to be better than people think and more pass heavy than the public thinks. And since his snap share is probably going to like slightly increase every week, I think you're playing Michael Thomas this week as a wide receiver too if you have him. The rest of the wide receivers a little bit more difficult to get behind. Olave is my second favorite long-term, but his role wasn't strong enough in week one to where I'd be comfortable starting him, so I'd leave him on the bench. And then Landry went off, but he's my wide receiver 38 this week, so he's like viable, but it's unlikely you have to go there. Um, he's probably not going to maintain a 27% target share. And given the type of player he is, he's not someone who's going to get that 27% deep downfield. It's going to be closer to line of scrimmage, although I'll say their slot role is a little bit better than a normal slot role was in week one. But the point basically is, he's probably going to be lower than the 27%. So even you know adjusting him up, honestly, in like yards per attempt or yards per reception, I guess, uh, giving him a 21% target share is still really good. Like If I make him like a solid player, the game environment 
doesn't really bode well for his production. And even given that if he's still grinding out 38th, like he's going to need a 25, 26% target share to really pay off. I think Kamara could be more involved. It kind of depends with his ribs, but I think there are other factors. I think every week Olave is probably going to get more work. And so I don't really see Landry trending up. I see him more trending down. And so personally, I'm probably not playing him this week. Next up, we've got Jets at Browns. This one has a low 40-point total. Browns, six-and-a-half-point home favorites. For the Jets, it is only Elijah Moore. No other wide receiver had more than a 15% target share in week one. And not only that, it's like they threw the ball 59 times, and none of them even did all that well. And that's including Elijah Moore. The pass attempt's going to come way down, and so I... I mean, I, I get it if you don't want to start a single Jets wide receiver. I still think Elijah Moore is talented enough and is clearly better than the wide receivers around him to where on a normal week, he is going to have a larger share of that passing volume. And so I think he's a good play. He's only my wide receiver 30, though. So you might be benching all Jets wide receivers, but if you have to play more, he's your top wide receiver in the rankings. I still think he's talented, and I still would feel comfortable starting him. But again, wide receiver 30. You might not have to. For the Browns, similar story. Uh, they're big-time home favorites, but the game environment is pretty gross in this one, and they're likely going to run the ball as much as they can, especially in the second half. I think Amari Cooper is honestly like a pretty decent buy-low candidate. He commanded 20% of the targets in Week 1, but the results just weren't really there. But a 20% target share you know, isn't anything to laugh about, and I don't think DPJ is going to be like leading the league in target share every week. Um, but I think this week you're probably benching all Browns wide receivers. Like I said, they want to run the ball this week and they're probably going to be successful doing so. And they're probably going to be able to play slower. Uh, it's just not a game where I expect the second half to be all that fun. If you have a pass catcher on the Browns. And so I would probably just bench all them. They're going to need a long touchdown to pay off. Next up, we've got dolphins at Ravens 44 and a half point total Ravens three and a half point home favorites for the dolphins. Tyreek Hill operated as the clear number one, not 1A, last week. He had a 38% target share compared to 16% for Waddle. It was also clear that they were designing plays specifically for Tyreek Hill. I know the Ravens have a very strong defense, but Miami ranked first in pass rate over expectation, even taking into account the second half blowout. This team is going to throw the ball a ton, and Tyree Kill was the first read on most of their plays this last week. I know everyone is starting him, but expect to see him in tomorrow's video as well. The real question here is Jalen Waddle, and if we understand that Tyree Kill, like we thought going into the season, maybe it was like a 1A, 1B situation, if we understand that it's not really that, it's Tyree Kill as the 1, Waddle as the 2, we can see a little bit more of that upside taken away for Waddle. We also know that they basically have three wide receivers that are really good in the slot and cannot all play in the slot. And so when you take Waddle, who would be fantastic if you always played him in the slot, only give him like, you know, a third of the snaps there, that's not as great. Now, I'm giving him like a 20% target share this week. Um, I think he's going to be a little bit more involved, but right now he's my wide receiver 20. So I think you're playing Waddle as a low end two. But this is one I have a tad less confidence in. And so if you have someone else and you're like, I don't really want to play Waddle in this spot 
as a road underdog against a good defense, given that Hill is the clear one, I get it, and I'm totally fine dropping him. So this is one where I know he's 20. If you've got someone at like 22, 23, 24 that you feel much better about, I'm fine benching Waddle for them. I just don't have a lot of confidence in uh, his production this week. I just don't really know what to expect. I think we need one more week to really know what the true target share is over there. For the Ravens, it's Bateman or bust, really. Uh, Yes, DuVernay went off in week one, but it was on four targets and it was on just over half the snaps. I'm definitely a little bit worried about Bateman's target share and snap share being relatively low. I mean, the, the snap share was like first in the team, but it was low compared to what we would have expected it to be. Like, he's pretty clearly the best wide receiver they have, but he wasn't playing like that in terms of snaps. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if maybe this week he plays closer to like 85% of the snaps. Maybe the target share goes up. I want to use this also. Like this game is really about seeing what's going to change uh, from week one into week two. But I think I like his props more. His props are even lower than they were last week. I still think that's a mistake over the long run. I think he's going to you know outperform the props he's having. So I like that in terms of starting him in fantasy. Wide receiver 37, given a tough matchup. Honestly, like you can roll with him, but I think he's a bench this week. And you're going to see him probably in tomorrow's video as well. I like the overs on the props, but in terms of fantasy, he's probably a set. Colts at Jaguars up next, 45.5 point total. Colts, four point road favorites. For the Colts, it's easy. Always start Michael Pittman Jr. And even in a really good matchup against the Jaguars, I don't think you can really trust any other Colts wide receiver. Keep them all on benches. For the Jaguars, Christian Kirk was paid a ton of money this offseason. Then he dominated the target share in the preseason. Then he dominated the target share in week one. It's certainly not an easy spot against the Colts, but you are starting Christian Kirk if you have him. After that, you could actually play Zane Jones in the flex this week. The Jaguars are going to be an extremely pass-heavy offense, and Zay commanded a 23% target share in week one while getting half the red zone targets. Like, He's got a really good role in the offense, and his production could have been even better if he was able to pull down uh, one of his end zone targets. Like, this is going to be a pass-heavy team. He's going to be involved. Like, I don't think you need to start him, and I doubt you do need to on your team, but he's my wide receiver 34 right now, so you realistically could, especially in a deeper full PPR format. Commanders at Lions, up next, 48.5 point total, so a higher total game on the week. Lions, 1.5 point home favorites after opening is underdogs actually uh, i don't know why uh, they were underdogs to open up but they were uh, i think the lions should be favored this week for the commanders curtis samuel exploded in week one he had a 26 percent target share and was given four carries and he turned all of that into eight for 55 and a score through the air four for 17 on the ground so not like highly efficient i guess with the uh, opportunity but good in fantasy because of the touchdown, because of the eight receptions. We have always liked his talent. His only issue has been staying healthy. He wasn't healthy at all last season. Everyone wanted to write him off, but it's like when he's healthy, he's been really good. He's clearly healthy right now, and while he's healthy, he's going to have a role in this offense. Now, with that being said, it's difficult ranking commanders wide receivers this week. McLaurin had an awful week one outside of the long touchdown. Even with the long touchdown, he really did disappoint overall. 
Then Dotson had a massive snap share and the two touchdowns, but he only had a 12% target share, and I think everyone can agree that he got a little bit lucky with the fantasy production having the two scores. I think long-term, the rankings are going to be McLaurin, Dotson, and then Samuel, but you know we really need to figure this offense out right now. My rankings are McLaurin, wide receiver 30, Samuel, wide receiver 32, Dotson, wide receiver 42. So all could be played in the flex, maybe more ideally that second flex spot. Uh, But I wouldn't call any of them must plays. Obviously, also, they were playing the Jaguars last week. Maybe we want to see the Commanders put it together again against a non-Jaguars opponent. I'm not saying they cannot do so, but I don't think we can just say any of them are locked in wide receiver twos. I really think all of them are viable in the flex, with Dotson probably being the lowest, but I think long-term he'll pass Samuel. For the Lions, Amoner St. Brown was dominant last season, and then he opens week one with a 33% target share. Like, he's the guy in this offense. He's very clearly good. He's going to command a ton of targets. He's a must-play in my eyes until Jameson Williams is fully healthy, which, I mean, might not even happen this season, but at least is going to happen in like, you know, a month and a half to two months. So I think over that time, you're just playing him every week. I don't care what the matchup is. You could play Chark in a deeper league, uh, but he's been wide receiver 50, so I'd imagine you have better options. Four o'clock games kick off. Seahawks at 49ers. This one has a 41.5 point total. 49ers, 8.5 point home favorites. For Seattle, I think people got a glimpse at what we were concerned about all offseason. Like the concern was never that Lockett is bad or Metcalf is bad. It's that this offense is bad. They don't have an elite quarterback, and they're going to be very low volume. And they actually played well. Like, if you watch that game, you were probably surprised with how well Seattle played. And Metcalf had a 26% target share. So you're like, wow, he must have done good. No. I mean, no Seattle wide receiver cracked the top 60 in half PPR scoring. And again, that was with them looking good and Metcalf getting a 26% target share. It's not a good offense, and it's a low-volume offense. Now, this week, they play at San Fran. You know, San Fran, when they're leading, goes very, very slow and very, very run-heavy. They're a team like the Packers. We don't want to play at San Fran or at Packers with our fantasy players when that team looks like they're going to win because the overall volume for the offense is going to be very low. I'm afraid that's going to happen this week, and so I suppose you could play Metcalf in the flex, but my preference would be to bench all Seattle wide receivers and tight ends, honestly. For the 49ers, Debo's a must start, especially while Mitchell is out. He's basically just going to be their running back one plus their wide receiver. Who knows in the past when this has happened and he's used been used more on the ground, he's been used less through the air because they don't want to use him every single play. He'll get hurt. And so in the past, again, it's been a positive for Ayuk actually in the receiving game that maybe they give Debo like 10 carries and only four or five targets, and they give more of those targets to Brandon Ayuk. So regardless, Debo's a must-start. And I think Ayuk is viable in the flex. Um, I don't think that Ayuk is a must-start. Um, but I would say, especially if Kittle sits again, which it's looking like he will, check back, see if that's the case uh, come like Saturday night when Scheffner you know, releases all that news. But if Kittle's going to be out, I do think we can play Ayuk uh, in that flex spot. Obviously, week one for this entire offense was tough to look at. They were playing basically in a monsoon. Like, neither team was going to produce well if you were watching the footage of that game 
on Sunday morning, and I tweeted that out as well. We were not expecting anyone to play well in that game. Falcons at Rams. Up next, this game has a 46.5 point total. Rams, massive. 10.5 point home favorites after getting embarrassed in opening weekend. For the Falcons, I actually liked what I saw from Drake London. I was surprised with how good he looked. Like he's he's gonna be a good wide receiver in this league. Uh, didn't necessarily like he had a fine box score and didn't necessarily translate into like a ton of fantasy points because you kind of need touchdowns to have a really good box score. But he looked good. I think if you drafted him, you're feeling really good. But I think you're benching him at Rams. Really difficult spot to play him. I don't think you also drafted him in a spot where you need to start him. And so if you don't need to, I wouldn't and I wouldn't play any other Falcons wide receiver. For the Rams, obviously, start cup. That never has to uh, come into question. The only real question is Allen Robinson. What are we doing with him? Now, I don't know what's going to happen. Short term, long term, I I really don't know. But I'll say this. They signed him to a three-year, $46.5 million deal, $30 million guaranteed. I find it extremely hard to believe, given their investment in in him and how much they've talked about liking him over the summer and how talented he still is, that he's going to have a 5% target share every week that's going up my guess is given also like the extended time they've had to prepare for this game i'm thinking they're going to involve him more i think maybe honestly opening drive will probably tell us a lot i think opening drive they try to get him multiple targets i really think they're going to try and get him going design plays to him Uh, i'm giving him a 20 percent target share this week so 15 percent higher than last week again i'm bumping it up and maybe that's just speculation and if you don't want to play him don't do it. But at a 20% target share, he's grading out as a low-end wide receiver too. And I know it'll be tough to trust him this week. And if you have like, you know, three other wide receivers you feel good about and you want to start them, totally fine benching Allen Robinson. I have in my 16-team league. I will be playing him in that league. Bengals at Cowboys is up next. This game has a 42-point total. Bengals, 7.5-point road favorites, obviously, after Dax injury for the Bengals. Um, I'd imagine Higgins is good to go this week. He cleared the concussion protocol and practiced on Wednesday. So unless the symptoms come back, he should be out there. He should be good to go. Um, That kind of takes Boyd out of consideration for me, especially since they're probably going to be up by at least a score in the second half. And when that happens for the Bengals, historically, they've gone pretty run heavy, good offensive line. Like there'd be no need for them to just pour it on. And so I think you're starting Chase starting Higgins, benching everyone else. For the Cowboys, Lamb's the only one you're considering here. Uh, I think I'd play him as a low-end wide receiver too. He was awful in week one, obviously, but he still had a 27% target share, and it's not like they're overflowing with wide receiver talent. Like They need to throw him the ball. They're not giving these backups a 30% target share. Like They just have to use CeeDee Lamb, and you got to think he's going to be a little more efficient. I think he had, what, 2 for 29 on 11 targets? I don't care who the quarterback is. He's going to be better than that. So, uh, they're definitely going to have to throw the ball in the second half. I think he's going to be around 10 targets, uh, not going to be super efficient, but you know, anyone who we expect to get around 10 targets should be played at least as a wide receiver too. I don't care who the quarterback is. Texans at Broncos is up next. This game has a 45-point total. Broncos 10-point home favorites for the Texans. You're only considering Brandon Cooks. Uh, he didn't go off in week one, but he still commanded 12 targets, 33% target share. Like He's the clear alpha wide receiver in this offense. You are playing him this week. For the Broncos, they got embarrassed on Monday night. So look for them to bounce back at home this week against you know a mediocre team that they should be able to beat. Should have been able to beat Seattle as well. But I just I have to imagine 
they're going to come out furious this week and they're going to score a lot of points. So I prefer Sutton over Judy, just given that downfield role. I think you saw that in week one. Yes, Judy had that one kind of long touchdown, but they were consistently looking deeper downfield for Cortland Sutton. None of them really hit. He had a few longer plays, but none like the deep shots really hit. That's going to happen much more often. Wilson's still a good deep ball quarterback. It's a good offense. I think you're starting both of them, but my preference is Sutton. And I could see a world where you have Judy and you don't want to play him, but I'd play both. Final four o'clock game is Cardinals at Raiders. Should be a really fun one to watch. Should be a lot of fireworks in this one, especially in the passing game. 51 half point total. Raiders five and a half point home favorites. For the Cardinals, uh, the only one you consider really is Marquise Brown. Rondell Moore is going to have a really nice role when he returns. Keep him stashed on benches. But it's fairly unlikely he does return this week. And so you should have Marquise Brown as a clear number one. But look at last week. I mean, Brown was bailed out by a garbage time touchdown when they're down by a million points. And this is, you know, coming from someone who, you know, I was off Marquise Brown this season. I thought he was being drafted way, way, way too early. Even I was surprised at how little he was involved in week one. Now, given the game environment, I think he's a solid play in the flex because he's also a type of player that could have a really spiked week and you, know, you want to capture that upside in fantasy. But, you know, I think there is a realistic chance that you have someone better. And if you like someone else, you want to play them over Marquise Brown. I don't think you should be afraid of benching him. For the Raiders, Adams is my wide receiver one this week. That's ahead of Cup, ahead of Jefferson. The Cardinals pass defense is trash. He's coming off a 47, actually a little over 40%, 47% target share, uh, 17 targets. People do not get 17 targets in the NFL. That was wild to see. He's an unbelievable wide receiver talent, easily like a top two talent in the NFL. You could argue him versus Jefferson. I actually think Adams is probably the number one wide receiver in the NFL, but you've got that in one of the best roles in football, playing an awful defense in a pace up spot like uh, he's going nuclear this week. I also think you're starting Hunter Renfro. He had a brutal matchup in week one, still commanded a 19% target share. Results weren't there, but like if he got 19% of the targets with Adams getting over 47%, like again, I know he didn't perform that well in fantasy, but he should still on average get a good amount of targets. He's a good wide receiver. He'll have some level of red zone role. It'll be reduced now that Adams is on the team, but like, He's good, and the Cardinals' defense is so bad. I, I really do think you're starting Renfro as a wide receiver, too, or in the flex. That's probably more likely as you put him in the flex. If you have two flex spots, I would definitely look to get him in there. Sunday night game is going to be Bears at Packers, 41.5-point total Packers, 10-point home favorites. For the Bears, they threw the ball 17 times in Week 1, only completed eight passes thanks to the monsoon they were playing in. None of their pass catchers had a good game as a result. Obviously, when you complete eight total passes, no one's going to look that good. But that type of game is unlikely to happen again. But it's the same problem as we were talking about when we went over the 49ers game. Rodgers looked bad in week one. But Rodgers pretty much never looks bad in back-to-back weeks. They're going to go to Lambeau this week. And, I mean, let's be honest. like The Packers are going to look good. They're going to score points. And the problem is for the Bears... If the Packers are up in the second half and they're being efficient on offense, they're playing slow, they're draining the clock, and then they have these really long drives, and the Packers also have a good defense, and you're playing in Lambeau. So you expect, on average, 
that the Bears are going to be like less efficient than normal and have fewer plays than normal. Like, I think what's going to happen is they're all going to be bad again, and we're going to have huge buy low opportunities with Mooney and Cole Clement. With I mean, I don't know if you'll really need to trade for Cole Clement, but I think Mooney. So the hope is honestly that they do play bad, that we can trade like buy low on them next week. Uh, but if you've got you know Bears pass catchers, it's just it's such a bad spot. I would probably bench them again this week. For the Packers, it depends on Lazard. I think he's going to be back. And if he is, you're starting him as wide receiver two and you're benching all other Packers wide receivers. If he's out again, I will adjust the rankings. Um, I don't know how exactly it's going to look. It's probably going to be a mess. You might not start anyone, uh, but I'll adjust the rankings. You can look at those and see exactly uh, what happens. But my guess is that Watson and Dubes would be like weak flex plays, um, but it would really just boost Aaron Jones. It would boost AJ Dillon, make them even stronger plays this week. But again, I think Lazard plays. I think he plays really well, and you want him in the starting lineup. First Monday night game will be Titans at Bills. This one has a 48.5-point total. Bills, 10-point home favorites. For the Titans, you're probably benching everyone, uh, but you're keeping a close eye on Burks and Phillips. Phillips has looked great so far, looked great in camp, great in week one. Um, and Burks had you know, a low snap share, but I think that's going to grow every week, and he's going to be productive when he's on the field. So watch these two. I think you're still benching them, but I think to close the season, these are two solid wide receivers. You know I've been high on Burks' long-term talent, and if both of them, you know, can perform as well as we think they can, we might be starting them later in the season. But for this week, you know, in Buffalo, I don't know. I probably wouldn't play either of them, and I wouldn't play Robert Woods either. For the Bills, Always start Diggs, and honestly, I think you can just always start Davis. Davis isn't always going to have a great game, but given the touchdown upside, given his role in the offense, like, yeah, he'll have some down weeks, but you just have to be playing him because of the upside he carries. And I think that's it, honestly. Uh, Crowder McKenzie, unfortunately, rotated the slot role, so we will love whichever one wins that role, but right now it seems like they're going to like split it 50-50, in which case you can't play either of them. Final game of the week, Vikings at Eagles. This game has a 51-point total, Eagles two-point home favorites. For the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, probably going to have 2,000 receiving yards this season, so you're playing him in every matchup. Uh, and I probably wouldn't play anyone else. Thielen is fine to use in deeper formats, but I'd prefer to see him get a larger target share before that happens. There's a chance that they just feature Jefferson, they feature Dalvin Cook, and Thielen is kind of moved to like a clear third option. And the Eagles, like, we can still play Thielen, but in this spot, the Eagles do still have some pretty solid corners. It's not, um, like, they didn't look fantastic last week, but they still have good corner play. And so I wouldn't love it. I think you have better options than Thielen. I'd probably bench him this week, maybe look to play him in weeks where um, we expect a lot of more uh, offensive fireworks. Uh, and maybe, you know, it goes out this week and he has closer to like a 17, 18% target share. And we're like, oh, nice, Thielen's back. Um, but it's possible it's not the case. And so I prefer to keep him on the bench. For the Eagles, always play A.J. Brown. That's not a discussion. I think Devonta Smith uh, can still be used in the flex this week. Though, if you have someone else that you like more, you trust more, and you don't want another zero catch day, uh, roll with them. I think this is similar to an Allen Robinson, that the team loves Devonta Smith. He's a good wide receiver. They're not going to let it happen again. I think they go to Devonta Smith early in the game. They make it a point to get him work. And it's not like A.J. Brown's going to have a 45% target share every week. I talked about this decision between Devonta Smith and Christian Kirk last week where I said, I'm benching Devonta Smith 
for Christian Kirk, because if I'm wrong on either one, it's that Kirk has a massive target share and that Devonta Smith probably has a lower target share because AJ Brown goes off. That's kind of what ended up happening, but it was way more extreme than I anticipated. It's not going to happen where Devonta Smith has zero receptions and AJ Brown has a 45% target share every week. That is not going to occur. I think it's going to be much closer this week. And so I'm fine playing him in the flex, uh, though I'm still going to be playing Christian Kirk ahead of him. So that is a breakdown of every wide receiver this week. I went over running backs yesterday, so check that out if you've not done so already. And I'll be back tomorrow to go over my favorite plays on the week. Also, my rankings are constantly being updated. So if there are you know injuries, late-breaking news, they're always updated. You can see exactly when they have been updated. There's a little column on the left for the day and the time it's been updated. So if you want to see my final take on all players, exactly where I have them ranked, you can check that out, thefansfootballadvice.com. That, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button? And how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.